are listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. It's kind of embarrassed. I just was looking for beer in the refrigerator, and there was something called a Mick Ultra Pure Gold in there. I think my future son-in-law left in there, and it's like, oh my God, this is awful. I'm embarrassed to be drinking it, but it's here in my hand. Brandon Jaggers. And me, CC Broadus. I did a deep dive on Linda Ronstadt. The auxiliary gate, big problem. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Auxiliary Gate Podcast number 121. DC brought us and I'm joined by Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers. Alan, we'll start with you. How are you doing tonight? Uh, fine. A lot better than that Kentucky offense did the other night, but you know, it's just a game, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Brandon, how's it going? How's the baby? Well, I, she's doing good. I, Dad doesn't get much sleep. He starts his day at five and, uh, you know, I know Alan gets up early though, too. It's, it's kind of rough. It's a new change, but, um, uh, I like to say my Keeneland betting would be better, but um, it's not. So, but it's been a great meet. It's been fun. It has. Yeah, I think it's been wonderful so far. I really do. Let's talk about Will Levis real quick. Uh, what's the, what's the status of him? He he he'll be back next week, or what's going on? Are they on the bye? This no, they here? they have missed. I'm going to the game. It's. I think I'll do a little maybe a little Keeneland Mississippi State action on uh, Saturday. Yeah, they play Mississippi, a very good Mississippi State team. Uh, they literally laid a, laid an ostrich egg the other day. But Levis, Levis was hurt, but behind that offensive line, I mean, it's just a matter of time. He may come back and get hurt again. I mean, he does have to protect his draft stats. At least I would be thinking about that. But, yeah, perhaps they were – we all knew there was issues with the team. And right now the ceiling looks like 7-5. and five, But, uh, you know, take it one game at a time and try not to get too upset about it. But he is supposed to be back. But, man, that offensive line – and the defensive line doesn't get much pressure each, either. But – uh Woo, Lord have mercy. What, what's the path to the seven wins? I would think that would be attainable. I think I was thinking eight wins at least. Well, I mean, it, it, early on before, you know, the pieces appear to be in place this year, but uh, offensive identity is a problem. Offensive line's a problem. Uh, special teams is a problem. And, you know, it, things the road picks up. So, I mean, they still have a very good Mississippi State team. They've got, they're four and two, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Georgia, uh, Missouri's been close to people. I'm sure they're wanting to bust through with somebody. I mean, there's still lulls at the end of the year and stuff. I mean, the path to seven and five is, it's probably going to be seven and five. I guess there's a chance at eight and four, but that's, that's, you never want to presume. People always do that at the beginning of the year. Ah, we'll beat this team. We'll beat this team. We'll lose this team. Don't ever do that. I mean, you don't know how the season's going to play out. So, uh, right now I, I would love eight and four, but you know. I think the path is there to beat Missouri and Chattanooga, Vanderbilt, and Louisville. Four more wins, they get you eight. Which I don't yeah. know what 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 it matters between seven and eight and nine. I guess. But. Yeah, you know, postseason makes the postseason more interesting and stuff. So, anyway. All right, so we're going old school, old school auxiliary gate. We don't have a guest. We're just going to gab and talk a lot. Uh, we hope you uh, enjoy what we uh, what we have to say. Uh, first, we want to talk about. Uh, Breeders' Cup, four weeks from now, I think. Breeders' Cup coming up at Keeneland, two-day weekend, uh, the championship of the sport. And 
guys, I think this could be one of the chalkiest Breeders' Cups on record. This is uh, setting up to be a lot of uh, a lot of dust flying in the air. Unfortunately, uh, you've got horses like Cave Rock, Flight Line, Golden Pal, uh, just one after another. Jackie's Warrior, a lot of four to five favorites. Jack Christopher. So I'm going to throw some questions out for you guys. Uh, Amongst this group of horses, which horse is the most likely to win and the least likely to win? Oh God, uh, I'm trying to remember all you just said. The most likely to win. Well, most likely. I, I haven't given. I haven't given the okay. list yet. I okay. Find the list. Hold on, just a second. I had it and I lost it. Hold on. Hold on. If it's too chalky, there'll still people be putting in fifteen hundred dollar pick five tickets. That are spread three thousand combinations, and then they'll bitch when they pay seventy four dollars. Well, you know that's what happened last year. Yeah, it, it does all the time. It looked like a, a chalky Breeders' Cup, and then March Lorraine comes right and everything up. That's why you never like pick your spots, but you know, go ahead. Okay, so here we go. Here's the list of uh, all right. What I'm looking for: most likely to win and least likely to win. How about that? Does that sound right? Sure. Got it. Cave Rock and the Juvenile. Jack Christopher in the Dirt Mile, Golden Pal in the Turf Sprint, Modern Games in the Turf Mile, Nest in the Distaff, Flightline in the Classic, and Jackie's Warrior in the Dirt Sprint. Okay. I mean, it's hard to remember all those off the top of my head. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Cave Rock, Jack Christopher, <laughs> Golden Pal, Modern Games, Nest, Flight line, Jackie's Warrior. Can I go first? Yes. Yeah. Most likely to lose, Jackie's Warrior. I'm I'm just not that big a fan like some people are. Yeah, that was, was low low hanging fruit, I think. No, well, there's. I mean, I thought he was. I mean, he got beat fair and square by Cody's Wish. He's a nice, grade two type animal. Uh, seven furlong horse got beat on the square. Got absolutely dusted last year in a sprint. I dig it. Did get uh, kind of the, a rough draw on the inside with the speed, but still wasn't that great of a field that beat him. Uh, so, I mean, he's, he's been at times brilliant, but a brilliant against fields that are just not quite the top caliber, in my opinion, may go out there and air, but I would have no problem betting against that horse at four to five. There's a couple others on there. You mentioned, I'm not going to hand the damn thing to cave rock yet. I, you know, cave rock's got to come here. Baffert came here the other day with two of his horses and they didn't run a damn step. So, you know, again, when anytime you start to think that these races are over at four to five, all it takes is one bad trip. All it takes is uh, one bad break. All it takes is another horse to be on top of his game. I'm not going to sit there. If I play the races, I, I'm not going to sit there and take four to five every race. Uh, I'll take Cave Rock second behind Jackie's Warrior out of that list. I just, I mean, you know, there's gonna be, there'll be good, good juveniles in there. I'm not going to just hand it to Baffert just yet. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Cave Rock is vulnerable for sure. But, you know, I love to be Golden Pal. I love turf sprints. Was was Saturday a warm up for that horse? I got a feeling it was. Was it a track record? I think I think it was as well. So you got to know that course. We have not had rain in Kentucky for over two weeks now. It's been a while, and I bet it's going to be playing just blazingly fast. So you know, very forward forward speed, but I, you know that list. Does seem really, really chalky, but any, any stakes, two year old, I think Friday, you're in the Friday's car, you're going to have the most upsets. Saturday, I don't think so. 
I would also add, though, he mentioned Ness. I mean, Ness, in theory, Ness won't be fortified, right? Because Ness is going against Malafat, who loves Keeneland, and Clarier and some other ones. I'm just, whatever Japanese horse comes in 40 to 1 to win. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, a few others and stuff. So, I mean, you can make the argument that Ness is the least likely to win, but Ness won't be the, as low a price as some of those other ones. But, I mean, I think Ness is fantastic, but then, so is Malafat. You can have Clarier, in my opinion, but Ness or Malafat will be awful tough. I heard a little you, buzz. Ness may go to the classic. How would Ness stack up versus Flightline? Life is good. Why not? Why not? Be interesting. Mile and a quarter. Uh, tell me that horse can't get a mile and a quarter. That horse uh, was fantastic at a mile and a half against the boys in these uh, mile and eighth races where he just—I mean, she's just winning it, airing. I, there's no reason to think a mile and a quarter would just she just gallop at that. So. Witness would probably be what flight line is going to be three, three to five. Life is good is going to be what three to one, seven to two. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Hell, you might get seven or eight to one on this, right? Depends who else shows up. I'm assuming you see Olympiad in there as well. Hell, you might get 10 to one on this. I don't know. Depends on who's, yeah. The Olympiad's been dusted by uh, life is good. Olympiad likes to sit that trip, that Olympiad trip. You got to be able to get it against a. Horse like Flightline. I mean, I'm not going to bet Flightline three to five. I don't do that shit. So, uh, yeah, well, here's your scenario for Ness winning the race. I mean, we, we talked about it on a prior podcast. Flightline ran one of the fastest thoroughgraph numbers in history. Most uh, recently, the, the horses that have run that type of race can't keep that pace. They'll they'll bounce to the moon. Flightline bounces enough. Life is good. We've already seen Kenton had trouble at 10 prongs in the Dubai World Cup. He faded late. There you go. Those two hook up around a turn and might set up for a closer like Ness. Which is why when I when I hear the, the day's going to be chalky and stuff, I'm, I me I, I start to salivate. It's like that means all it takes is one horse not to fire, one horse to get in a speed duel, one horse to, and then all of a sudden a thirty to forty to one overlay is you know makes your day right, makes your week, and uh, that's I'll be looking that in that regard in a lot of those races. And if I don't feel it's there, then I'll just pass. So if Ness goes in the classic, that would leave Malathot as the favorite. I think I love the filly. I think she's beautiful. Yeah, she's the most beautiful horses I've ever seen. But I don't think she's a lock by any stretch in, in the distance. No, but her race is at Keeneland, man. She just she, you can tell she loves that racetrack. That's the way true. she strides and reaches out down the lane. If Ness didn't go, in, if Ness did not. Because Ness loves Keeneland too. I remember what Ness did in the Ashland. Uh, I, I think Malathot would be really tough to beat. But again. Japan might have something to say about that, right? I don't know. I don't know anything. Uh, I'd have asked Caitlin. I don't know if maybe I might come in or not. I don't know who they're bringing. That, uh, they supposedly they like to bring their horses over now that we don't have the uh, the LASIK policy. So we may see a few Japanese horses, which will spice things up. I can't stand it because I I couldn't have found Marshall Lorraine last year with a magnifying glass. But <laughs> uh, you know, uh, no way to watch her past races and and. To go against that tough field like she did and just run them all down, that was uh, it was disheartening, to say the least. I, I, like I said, I could never have found that horse. Well, I would say if a horse comes over this year, like March Lorraine, that we don't know don't know that much about, don't get to, that horse won't be 45 to 1 now, will it? It'll be, just from blind, people remember last year, it be, what, 18 to 1? Yeah. I'm guessing, you know, people are going to toss it in there, whereas they wouldn't have tossed a horse such as that last year. I mean, I'm one of them. <laughs> Warlock Goddess won the Joe Hurst Turf Classic on Saturday. And, you know, she went off, what was she sent off, four to five, five, uh, even money, something like that. Yeah, that was a good price, yeah. uh, That kind of shows, though, 
the respect uh, we've got for this Philly. Really a, a bargain purchase, and, and he's turned out to be, you know, maybe the best long-distance turf specialist in the country. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing she's going to the turf, the mile-and-a-half turf, rather than the nine-furlong Philly and Mare turf. Well, you know what? With her, that race the other day, it's something I think we've seen a lot of late. With the per, and maybe not so much in New York, but the purse money being so good, I think I think some of these trainers are running their horse a little too often, and we're seeing some horses over the top who are declining a little quicker than usual. And I think we saw it in a Slams race uh, in whatever that the, the TBCA is that right? TCA. Um, TCA. We saw it in that race, and I think we saw it in in Warlike Goddess's race because Warlike Goddess was just prepping like she was still sitting on a peak effort. The other the other horses in the race like Gufo and Soldier Rising, they just they've run so much and they just keep they just keep running trying to I don't know. It, it felt like those were tired horses in that race too. It felt like Gufo totally looked like it. Yeah, Gufo's Kentucky down New York to Kentucky Downs back to New York. It's like we're just trying to cash the checks while these horses are good, it seems like. And I don't think Gufo even hit the super, did she? Did he? No. I yeah. think the one dead last. Never, yes. never showed any kind of uh, response to that race whatsoever. I, and it was the yeah. second choice on the board. Yeah, I love Warlike Goddess. But I do think maybe Warlike Goddess uh, actually took advantage of a, of a bunch of uh, horses that might have been a bit over the top. And I think Slan was amazing in the TCA, but I think she as well was the only sharp horse in the race. Okay, that leads me to my next question. I'll give you five trainers and to have really good uh, – Hold really good cards. Hold hold really hand, good hands for the Breeders' Cup. Okay. Give you five trainers. I want you to tell me who wins the most races. These five trainers, and we're we're going to start with Todd Pletcher. Pletcher's going to have Nest. Life is good. Malathot, Annapolis, Forte, Chocolate Gelato, who won the God Frizzette. Chad Brown's probably going to have an Italian Regal Glory. Jack Christopher, he won the. Champagne as well, the one mile champagne. I can't remember the name of the horse, but it, uh, I'll look that up later. But and then Bill Mott's going to have Cody's Wish, who who's running against Jack Christopher, hopefully in the Dirt Mile, who mm-hmm. may actually be better than that horse. But uh, then you've got Warlike Goddess for him and Olympiad, Asmussen, Steve Asmussen with Jackie's Warrior Epicenter, and whatever else he may have. Then of course Charlie Appleby representing Godolphin. We'll have modern games in the turf mile, probably at AR, the Breeders' Cup turf, and you know he'll certainly have some type of juvenile, juvenile fillies on the turf. He'll he'll bring some of those over. So, Todd Pletcher, Chad Brown, Bill Mott, Steve Aspusen, Charlie Appleby, who wins the most races? That's easy, Michelle Lovell. <laughs> All right. uh, we we hadn't we hadn't paid your name here in a couple of weeks. Um, well, first off, it, it, that depends if Ness and Malifat go in different races, number one, right? I would think. Because off the top of my head, I want to say Pletcher, but I actually kind of want to say Chad Brown. And because I'm not giving up on Regal Glory yet, for one thing. I think in Italian was brilliant. But people have a tendency, they, they do this all the time, and they overlook trainer intent before these big races and stuff. Whereas in Italian might have been that, in that race the other day to win it, Regal Glory might have been just prepping for the Breeders' Cup. Because in Italian got the lead easily. I think that was the plan. And Regal Glory made the run at him. Of course, in Italian's gone. I, I would expect a much bigger run from Regal Glory 
uh, Cumbria's Cup Day. Um, I'm sure Chad's going to have something else that I don't think about off the top of my head. But to me, it depends if Ness and Malathot go against each other or if they don't. But I will default to Chad Brown in that case. Yeah, I mean, if Chad runs three horses in one of those races, I mean, he can get the – he's the most eligible trainer to hit an exact and try the same race. Yeah. You know, yeah. in Italian, I think – didn't an Italian run Belmont Day and upset that day too? Yeah, it was a very fast horse. Uh, had yeah. speed. Just couldn't she get over the top. That day, though. She – I think she yeah, set she a really did. fast pace. I think that California horse, it was legs galore, went with her early and uh, melted her down late. But she oh, ran. yeah, she won the race before that because I had her that Diana, day. Diana, it's her Yeah, time. I had her on the Diana day. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I mean, I was – if it, it, she already proved it at Keeneland, you know, so an Italian can do it, can carry right. it all the way around. you got to look at post and things like that, but uh, I can see that horse upset in Regal Glory again. But, I mean, I think Fletcher, I mean, really, my gosh, she's got them all. Uh, let's see if he can deliver them all. I, 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 I still think they were, you know, do they need one more week or two more weeks before Breeders' Cup? You know, some gave some big efforts. Let's see if they if they peak too early or if they're going right. to peak just right. Forte, I mean, it depends on, you know, you think Forte, was Forte the best horse in the uh... – no. And the uh, Breeders' Futurity, I mean, he got the jump. I read, read, rolled him really well, but, man, I thought – I mean, I'm like a lot of people. Loggins look Loggins look really good. Loggins yeah. is – Looked like essential quality, just coming, coming, coming. Yeah. And, I mean, I'll have some, some Kenny Loggins puns saved up for Breeders' <laughs> Cup Day. I can assure you that. But I I, really, I just like the way the horse looked. He, he – it impressed me the way the horse – uh, broke sharp and let other horses go, but he made, there were faster horses in that race. I thought out of the gate, but he managed to get out there, hold his position on the rail, but never, but he, he really did. He held his position and let those guys try. And then he just kind of took over and that, that impressed me. Uh, he, he dug any, it looked, you thought he was going to kick away a little bit, even though the fractions were fairly solid and, uh, Forte got a really well timed ride, but man, Loggins, Loggins dug in too. So. I like Brad Cox's horse there. I'll go on record. I'm, I'm voting for Charlie Appleby. He's going to have probably a yeah, of, of yeah, really solid. Modern Games came over and just blew out Ivar in the Woodbine Mile. And on the undercard of that race, he had Mysterious Knight that won the summer stakes going a mile. I'm certain that horse is probably going to come back over. And then he, if he does bring Adiyar, Adiyar almost won the Arc de Triomphe last year. And that the winner of that race was a long shot. It was uh, Tor- Torquator Tasso. Yes, like 80 to 1. That was no fluke. That horse came back, and I, I think he ran well in his four year or whatever. How old he ran third in the arc. Season. Yeah, he ran third in the arc this year, so that was no fluke. I think that horse is going to be really hard to beat. I, I That's three right there. And then, you know, I don't know what else he's bringing, but. I tell you what, you make a good point because I wasn't exactly sure how many he had, but Appleby is a. I talked about the blind bet factor. If, if, there, if you're just going to blind bet one guy and try to turn a profit on Breeders' Cup, it'd be Charlie Appleby for me. What's his North, his North American record's amazing, and uh, yeah, you know you have to you have to have if you just singled him in every sequence, you know, you'd probably be sitting, you know, might be sitting on a nice ticket. What Ironically, about- anti the, the anti Appleby nowadays has become Aiden O'Brien, who's got a losing streak going with his non non-juvenile runners. Uh, yeah. if, if if he brings over 
anything that runs in the juvenile turf, juvenile turf fillies, he's he's obviously live. Any other race, it just seems like his horses are kind of over the top. They peaked, and uh, he, it, his record has shown that in the last five years. It only takes one or of Australia, though, to wipe out all those bad memories, uh, right? Let's not talk about that. Or create more bad memories. <laughs> what about that horse, uh, Baid, or what? how do you say it? He's, he's running, I believe, this weekend, either Saturday or Sunday, whenever they have the Champions Day. Oh, so he's asking. And I don't, I, that's a mile and a quarter, I think, what they're running in the champion stakes and he's probably not going to make the breeders cup. Yeah. He's, he's widely viewed as probably the the best turf horse in the world. Oh God. He's won everything. Yeah. Flight line probably be considered the best dirt horse in the world right now. So maybe they could run a mile and a quarter at Turfway on poly. It'd be a neutral surface. Match race, man. Uh, do you hear it? Are you hearing this? Uh, is it chip Bach? And I don't know. Oh, is it, are you guys hearing this? Turf? Get this, Get this going. Put up like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and get we'll those get, two there. Maybe we'll get Joe to uh, put a bug in his ear. Put a bug in his ear. Okay, yeah. I mean, maybe they go as high as one hundred and twenty-five. I mean, that's serious cash, right? For horses of that caliber. <laughs> the Kentucky bread. Maybe take some of Kentucky bread money and put it to the. Yeah, market. I agree with you there. Uh, that's that's about it. Uh, you want to talk about these Keeneland races over the weekend and a lot of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a great, great weekend. So it's nice having turf racing back. And, I, you know, I, I, I've loved it so far. I haven't got to see every race, but I've loved what I've seen so far. The Alcibiades was on Friday, and that was won by Wonder Wheel, who went wire to wire. I think the better effort came, though, from the runner-up, Chop Chop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who, uh, yeah, she ran a, a, a good second after having not a, a not-so-stellar trip. She was further back than I wanted her to be. I don't think that was the plan, but she she rallied well. Just got a little tired late, but I I think I think I want Chop Chop out of this race going forward if she goes to the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, Brandon, I know you like Chop Chop too, right, Brandon? <clears throat> yeah, horse just broke bad. I mean, just broke. I think the baby is interrupted or something. Maybe the baby pulled his cord, umbilical cord. Anyway. Well, I'll take over then. Uh, you know, the, the two babe, the two two year old stakes races, the rail was quite beneficial in both, right? Because both races were uh, Wonder a Wheel. running start to try to kick. All right. Time out. Time, Time out. out. <laughs> Time out. Brandon. What happened? I'm, I'm here. Oh, you, you just, I don't know. It just, it just, it dropped me for a second. Then I just switched, uh, to my Wi Fi extender. Sorry. No. I'm more interested in your, in your Wi Fi extender. Yeah, I think uh, Brandon was pretty high on Chop Chop, right? Yeah, I, I just think the horses broke bad that day and had too much ground to make up and was just not on the pace. And usually those two-year-olds for Cox that are up on the pace. So uh, that I I would bet that horse back any day, next race for sure. You know, both those two-year-old stakes races went to uh, the horse on the lead. The, having the inside speed was obviously beneficial. Wonder Wheel had the rail. And was desperate to hang on by a nose or a head, but he did. And uh, and then Loggins eventually t- got the lead and looked like he was going to win and got run down by a nose. So inside speed was almost got there once and did get there the other time in the baby race. But that's not to beat. I mean, those are two of the horses to beat anyway. So uh, not surprising. Not surprising there at all. And then two other stakes on that undercard. Uh- Manny Wah, who was on a bit of a losing streak, rallied to win the Phoenix, which is a prep for the Breeders' Cup Sprint uh, for Wayne Catalano. Uh, 
and uh, you know, he he did he did what he does. He likes Keeneland, and he just rolled up the rolled up to win to win that race coming from behind. Corey Lannery has been a hell of a fit for him because uh, Corey Lannery loves to thread the needle and ride that fence, and he did that at Churchill when the horse ran fourth to uh, Necker Island and uh, the other two's names who escaped me. Uh, but he got the horse close that day. It still didn't feel like he could win the race. But I think there was a case where the race fell apart a little bit where Special Reserve isn't the horse he was last year and Necker Island's raced too much. And he has Sibelius, who is kind of an overbet favorite coming from the East Coast, you know. So I think it was a kind of a, uh, not, not, not taking anything away from Manny Water, the other long range toddy, whoever else was in there, but I do think the top three fell apart. So it's, you know, and I think right. Tory Lannery just gave the horse a great ride come up the rail again. So, but it all counts. You're supposed to figure that stuff out. If you thought special reserve and Sibelius weren't going to fire their best shot, that's uh that, that race became a whole lot easier. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I think the results show that, but then the, the other uh, stakes race on the undercard was won by delight. One of the Jessman stakes. He was impressive. Yeah. Daughter of Mendelssohn. I didn't like her at all. I mean, it took her three starts to break her maiden. She broke her maiden at Delaware. And I, you know, obviously the board, thought otherwise and she was one of the one of the lower priced horses in the race but uh you know never deny never discount the chances of jonathan thomas and augustine stable and of course louis saez correct right on horse was fast yeah yeah one one easy too one open links and of course saturday was a big day of course uh, uh just uh, a, a ton of nice stakes races golden pal kicked off the stakes action with uh, Fire to wire victory, and I mean, uh, you know, what more can you say? He's the part the the pro tem leader of the sprint division on grass, and he'll go into the Breeders' Cup four to five, I would guess, three to five, something like that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, last year, I had it in my head that because sometimes I play a pick five, I'm going to shoot for the moon, and I think I played the opening pick five at Breeders' Cup last year, and I had the first four. I believe I remember CC knocked off Camille. It was going to it was going to be a good one. And I used five price horses thinking, okay, Golden Pal, this is it for Golden Pal. There's too much speed in here. I'm going to get a price. Golden Pal's not. And then three steps out of the gate, I was like, well, I can rip this ticket off. Um, you know, it's, it's foolish to discount Golden Pal sometimes. And I didn't, I didn't discount it the other day. I thought she'd win, but, or he'd win. But I mean, I, you can almost look at that as probably a prep. It's going to be tough to beat him on, in a couple of weeks. That that race in the Breeders' Cup last year, that he was, was not, incredible. He was not fast coming into that race on third half. I remember that he was. He looked vulnerable. In I know, spot, like you said. But I mean, since then his figures have been out of this world. So whatever, whatever happened, he turned it around that day. He struggled when he came back from Europe in that one race. He just kind of grinded out a win. But uh, you again, we come back to trainer intent, and people have a tendency to forget races or preps lots of times for the big one and. I mean, if that was a prep the other day, that was the perfect prep. Uh, but again, we'll see who he faces on that day. But again, all it takes is one bad break for a change and then, and then tote blows up. So it's a matter of, you know, what you're willing to take. All right. Uh, some other races that day, the TCA was won by Slammed for Todd Fincher. That, I mean, that was a nice, that was an impressive performance by her. Oh, yeah. yeah she's, she'll be, uh, she can back that up in the, uh, Billy Mare Sprint. She'll be one to, to reckon with. Uh, then you've got, uh, the the Keeneland Mile and the British Charity. The Keeneland Mile was won by Annapolis, uh, a horse that's uh, improving. Kind of reminds me of Lure a little bit. Lure, I think, uh, got got really good his three year old year late in the year, and he went on to win a British Cup Mile. He went, went on to win two of them, as a matter of fact. And this, you know, 
Annapolis, a three-year-old, he put away a, a, a decent field of American milers. Well, older horse beat older horses, right? So, right. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Pretty. I I didn't care for the horse that much either, but uh, he showed me. Well, that's why I didn't like him. He was a three-year-old facing older. Up. I just, just he's just not ready to do that just yet. But uh, yeah, he he proved me wrong. Uh, and then of course the Breeders' Street Charity was uh, perhaps the most exciting race of the day, and uh, it was uh, won by Forte for Todd Pletcher, horse that had had won the uh, the hopeful stakes. Saratoga in his race prior, and he, he rallied to run down Loggins, who was uh, coming off a maiden win at Churchill in his last start. I think he, Loggins had won by eight or nine lengths in that effort. Loggins tried to do the same thing that Wonder Wheel did in the Alcibiades, but uh, I think they were just going too fast, and uh, he was run down late. But I, is there any question at all that you want Loggins out of this race? Of no. Any, of any runners? No, I mean, uh, yeah, give me Loggins. I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with Forte, but, you know, Forte, uh, just I, one reason I wasn't crazy about Forte in this race, I was questionable with, with a mile and 16 feet within his scope. He, he feels like a seven furlong one turn mile horse to me, but he did get one, he did get a mile and 16th. He got a great ride. Do you feel like he can get further than that? I, I don't know if I feel like he's, he's a mile and eight type horse. But yeah, again, they're young. We'll see, but I just feel like Loggins, Loggins had that look. Like, uh, give me more ground. I'll be fine. Yep. Yep. I'm with you, Alan. Yeah, he's. So look. <laughs> and then uh, Sunday, of course, uh, another great day of racing. It was capped off by the Spinster Stakes that was won by Malathot. Of course, we love Malathot. She's very impressive, Billy. But uh feel she beat probably lacked a little luster because – if you think Latruska is over the top, I think it's time for Latruska to be a mommy. Mm-hmm. Now, and then Played Hard was the other horse that was coming off a lifetime best effort in the uh, the Locust Grove at Churchill. Probably a little bit of a, too quick of a turnaround. Uh, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. It's like when Slam joined the TCA. Slam got, I don't think Slam won the lead, but he found himself on the lead, and the other horses were just – they're all one-paced. They were just kind of tired. The horse, they just felt like they were all had raced too much, you know. And that's and then slam draws off. It's, you can tell because none of the other horses could pass each other. They were trying to pass each other, they couldn't. I think the same thing kind of happened in the spinster with Mal. Malathot was much the best. Don't get me wrong. And plus, he got a dream trip. But I felt like uh, those horses were all quote unquote. Malathot's still sharp. The other horses over the top. And that's what would play when played hard ran at Churchill. I felt like played hard was the sharp horse. And it was crazy beautiful, and and I think uh, little Tootsie and some others, they felt like you know they were still solid, but they wasn't as sharp as as a uh, play hard. I felt the same thing the other day. Malathot took advantage of a bunch of horses who were over, like Latruska, for instance. Nothing against the horses, but it, it comes back to who's who's peaking at the right time and who's just who's just running to try to keep cashing checks. So it may have influenced the margins in those races a little bit. Yeah, and then that mile, you know, Malathat stayed off the pace, so really showed a lot of tactical, you know, experience, and didn't chase. You know, uh, gosh, who was on the front? It was uh It was Latruska and. Latruska. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then you know, saw Army Mule that they I mean they swept oh, all the horses. Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, Latruska was not on the lead, was she or was she? I can't remember now. I think she was pressing it, man. It was going pretty. She didn't. Decent. She didn't break that fast. I think played hard, went to the lead, and then. Latruska kind of had to off the course draw alongside of her early. 
Yeah, yeah. Army wife went by went by the tired pace setters. Yeah. Mouth that wasn't tucked in on the rail it was pretty in the third path. I thought the whole time around, and then just turned it on late, and then you know the pace just crumbled at the turn. And the she, way she, I mean, it almost looked like a paid workout for her. So I I think she's loaded. Yes, yeah, the the way she reaches out, it's just like last year in the Ashland. Just what you knew you saw something special when you saw her reaching out down the lane to catch past the champagne. Kind of felt the same thing, even though it was the the, the pace. I mean, the, the race set perfectly for it. Just, it's just, that was a good prep. That's a good prep. You get, it's nice when you get a great one win and you get a prep in. Yeah. Any last words about the, I forgot the name of the race. Is it the Franklin County Stakes? The, bourbon the Bourbon. The Bourbon. Bourbon Stakes. The Bourbon Stakes was won by, and the winner is for Wayne Catalano. We had a big weekend mm-hmm. and ridden by Flavian Pratt. That horse uh, looks like he, he has a future. He was running green down the stretch. And uh, he, he might be something to deal with on the Breeders' Cup day as well. Well, two things about him. One, I mean, you know, Catalano doesn't win a lot first time out. This horse went up to Saratoga and won first time out on the turf, so they knew they had something, right, obviously. And secondly, the horse is about Oscar performance, and the horse's name is And the Winner Is. That's awesome. That's 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 clever on behalf of the uh, on behalf of the connections. Oh, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You learned right. something. Well, while we're on the top of a Keeneland, let's talk about uh, let's uh, let's get some things off our chest while we're here. Off my chest, we're going to argue this. Uh, Friday there was a very uh, controversial DQ with a horse. Uh, I've already forgotten the name of the horse that, that won. Olga Isabel. Olga Isabel. That's right. That's the filly that won on. Oaks Day or Derby yes. Day back. Yeah, okay. And then and the horse that finished second was Jag Warrior for Dale Romans. The, the, the controversy comes in as uh, I think it was Joel Rosario that was riding Olga Isabel. He drifted out into the middle of the racetrack coming off the turn, a la Codex in the 1980 Preakness. And he floated Jag Warrior out to the middle of the track. And then Jag Warrior had to alter course, come inside, and re-rally up the inside of Olga Isabel. They didn't make contact, but the stewards let the inquiry sign immediately. And after about, I don't know, it took 10 minutes to, to, to decide this. They disqualified Olga Isabel and put up Jag Warrior. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with, with DQ, but this is the first time that I've seen this in Kentucky where they've made a DQ like this where a horse is floated wide off the turn whether it be intentional or unintentional. I, I, if you're going to set this precedent, I want to see this more often. I mean, are you going to like the inquiry sign every single time a horse drifts, carries another horse out? So I'll let you guys uh, put your opinions in, in, throw your opinions in the hat. But uh, I, I had a problem. I have a problem with this, unless this is something that's going to – it's all about consistency to me. What do you guys think going forward? I mean, was this the right, was this the right answer or, or the – are we barking up the wrong tree? Full disclosure to, on two counts for myself. Number one, I bet Jack Warrior, and I bet him to win. Yeah, you and, did. And, but in fairness, I bet Jack Warrior almost every time he's run. I bet him at 90 to 1 at Turfway. Uh, I've been a believer in the horse for a while. Finally, he's, I, I did not bet him at Churchill at 30 to 1. Uh, that's a little sidebar, but I did bet him to win. The other full disclosure thing is I was driving home from work after betting. I heard the race. I didn't see the race. I drive very far from work. I heard the race on the rate on the in the audio. 
So if you listen to the audio, it sounds to me like he was going to come down because Kurt Becker caught him going wide, and then Jaguar cuts to the inside and stuff. So you audit, and then they flash the inquiry sign. So having it not seen it and hearing the audio, I just thought, assume, okay, when he and Jaguar made it close, that they would take him down. Now I went and saw it back the next day, and I see both sides, and I know that's kind of a a fence riding position. The only caveat I will have is I don't know is when Olga Isabel drifted out, if she was cut the path off of Jaguar. That I do not know. I was unclear to me. I think when Martin Garcia decided to go inside of Jag, uh, inside of Olga Isabel down a stretch and then made it really close. I mean, the horse only lost by like a nose ahead. I think at that point, with the, as close as the race came in, plus the fact he went to the inside, kind of forced the stewards' hand a little bit. So I don't know if it's the right call. I, I can't say that. Uh, I know a lot of people make their decisions based on whether they bet the horse or not. I don't do that. I think that's kind of chicken shit stuff to do. Uh, if, if my horse deserves to come down, I'll tell you. I, I just I have inconclusive evidence just because of my situation. Brandon? Yeah, I saw it live. And let me tell you, when I saw it live, I never thought anything of it. It looked like race riding to me. I mean, they, the stewards determined because the 12 moved out, it caused the 11 to lose ground. I think that's what they said. So is that interference when you're making a turn? The, the, the horse was under control. I thought Joel did the horse just normal, like normal race riding in a way. You know, you see, you see it happen in Belmont all the, in Naira all the time. You know, they, they, always pin or point a horse to go after another horse and then they cut them in and switch, you know, switch the lead, do an outside whip to try to drive them back towards the rail. I, I thought Olga was totally under full command. Yes. Maybe it drifted. A, it doesn't tell you how many pass it went out, but I don't think it went out that an egregious amount. Yeah. And it's Joel Rosario. He's not a big race rider kind of guy. Maybe on turf at, at Naira, but, uh I just I just didn't see it. I didn't think it was significant enough. The Jag Warrior positioned the horse where they where Mark you know where they were. To, I mean, if it was the other way, Jag Jag Warrior should have went the inside, and and Jaguar could have, and they just didn't right away. And then when they did, I thought it looked more worse when Joel felt the pressure come back to the inside, and Joel shifted back inside. Yeah, yeah. But they're saying it was it was lost at the quarter pole, approaching the quarter pole. So, yeah. so uh, you you would have left him up. You would have left Olga up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about I you? Probably, I probably would have, but again, I didn't see the race well enough to really make a decision. The only thing I will say, Jag Warrior was kind of hard riding him on the turn. So, I'm, I was actually surprised Jag Warrior made it close. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I, I'd have to be an incomplete on me because I just didn't see the race well enough to to make an opinion. Well, here's my problem with this: if if we knew that the outside part of the track, let me let me rephrase that. If you're against the, if you were for the DQ, if you voted for a DQ, but then we come to find out the outside part of the track was better than the inside part. Yeah, of the track. fair enough. And that's where Joel wanted to be. Does that would that change your decision? I don't know. I doubt it. I just think I think I think the, at the end of the day, the reason is because Jaguar went to the inside and made it close. I think that's what it. I think they would have left it alone had that been a three quarters length win, but when he when he just kept coming and kept grinding, I think they had to do something, especially the way Kurt Becker called it. 
I, I don't know. I think that had something. No one talks about that. It's like the Jag Warrior made it close. So if he makes it ahead, and they, they, they make the argument that he cost him ahead, and I don't know if he did or not. So I, that's the other side I'm going to just present or whatever. Had he not made it close, they wouldn't have called it, in my opinion. Right. The race that comes to mind is the turf race. Remember when we found out the turf at Churchill was starting to be bad? Yeah. And and they ran that turf race. It was the last race of the day. And they, and, and when they came off the turn, yes. mean, they fanned out all the way across the turf course. I mean, what's the difference between this and that? Right. That's a great point. That's a great you point. Know, I mean, it's it's the same same thing, except we didn't know at the time that the turf course was kind of <laughs> in bad shape. Did so, did Olga cut Jag off? I that I, I said Jag off by the way. Uh, did Olga true. cut Jag Warrior off? Do you feel he? Because again, I couldn't see it. Did he? He not at the turn. I don't no, think he knew I, the horse was there. Okay, okay, that's a different story then. If he caused any sort of, if he was clear of him by say a length and a half, then I don't see the issue. But I could, I couldn't tell. Yeah. I was watching my little phone. Well. Here. That leads to a to two more incidents. One was uh, on Saturday, the Breeders' Futurity, where the Rad Ortiz aboard Forte drifted in on Loggins, similar to the way he won the Brimson Stakes last year aboard Mo Donegal when he beat Zandon. I don't think this was as bad as that situation, but he got really close. Also, a la Sonny Leon in the Lucas Classic last week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so he. He drifted in, and it almost looked like his elbow impeded the the, the I believe it was Florent Giroux on the inside. He impeded Florent Giroux just a little bit, or he, his his elbow come over into his face, and they they didn't file the objection or an inquiry, but there was an objection, and it was overruled. And you know, and then you've got a situation on Sunday where in a maiden race, the horse uh, drifts. Uh, just a hair inside, uh, maybe a half a path inside, uh, was a Ben Colbrook horse who uh, raising cane. Yeah, raising cane drifted in on. Uh, Aspie. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the horse, but Kyle uh, Gaffalione, I believe, was on on the Aspie horse, and he had to check, not check badly, but he did have to alter course, and there was no inquiry there either. I just that this bothers me. That that bothers me. That I think an inquiry should have been called in all three situations whether or not you know because everybody in the world saw that yes on the uh the the, the third example that i gave everybody on the sunday yeah. yeah on the sunday one cc and i have discussed this i understand why they didn't put it up and i'm i'm probably not as upset about these inquiries as some other people are and it's not because it's because i have in my head my rules that, and i know my rules aren't the same as the real rules just because I have my own form, way I formulate things in my head does not mean that's actual policy. The way I saw the race on Sunday is the eight was going to win. It was Colbrook's horse was not, yeah, Colbrook's was going to win no matter what. And he did come over. In fairness, if you watch the head on, I think the leader drifted out a little bit too. I think Colbrook came in. I think the leader came out. Nobody talks about that. I think that caused a part of the squeeze. It did, the, the runner up was definitely interfered. But I think the key to that race was, is the eight was going to win no matter what. And when Asmussen got, his horse got up for second, no matter what happened, the outcome of that race was not going to be affected. Had this, had Asmussen's horse, I believe it was a seven, ran third, I believe Colbrook may have come down, even though I think the speed horse on the inside may have part to do with it because he didn't, he, a, a placing would have been cost. 
I think that race it finished the way it should have run, and I think that's what the stewards were thinking. The only caveat to that would be, as like CC mentioned, Gaffleon could have been hurt. He wasn't hurt, so I, I guess they had a no harm, no foul thing. I personally believe if the, if the runner-up had not gotten second, then that you might have seen the inquiry sign. That's that's me just trying to handicap the situation. So I was okay with it with no inquiry, but I see CC's point. Yeah, I have my problem is that they didn't even like the inquiry sign. I, yeah. I, I've seen too many situations where a, an objection has to be claimed or lodged before they will even look at any situation. I think right. that is, I mean, like they're all watching the race like we are. Why, why didn't they? It just happens way too often, in my opinion. And I, and I see your point because you, everybody saw it. So in theory, just because everyone saw it, they should throw at least as a formality, throw the inquiry sign as a formality. I believe the order of finish should not have changed. But I get to your point. I can understand why that you you believe, and I, I guess I believe as well that maybe they just from a decency standpoint throw it up there, right? So people know that Jack, hey, you're not just mailing it in, right? <laughs> I guess. Well, now the one on. Yeah, While we're on the topic, while we're on the topic, I mean, this dates back to the see Barbara Borden was a steward during the maximum security incident, and like she was, she was the chief chief steward now, but she was also the she ruled on the maximum security DQ, and if you watch that right, it was the weirdest incident I've ever seen because maximum security drifts out into the path of Oral Will. He he definitely makes contact with the horse. Oral Will just. Did not miss a stride, though. He just That's kept weird. going. I think you could argue that day that, that or Will was not going to, to place in the Derby. He, he ran it running seventh or eighth. I mean, to me, that's that's the same situation as what we just saw Sunday. But then, I think it, in that case, I think other horses were affected, though. I think Long Range Tidy and some other ones were yeah, affected. See, Long Range, I mean, was Long Range Tidy going to hit the board? Yeah, I, I can't I can't remember who else, you know, it's – I remember I was thinking the horses that came down, but then again, I can't remember all the details. It's been widely published. So I don't know why I, I haven't. I think he, I think he should have come down. I yeah. Do, in the Derby, but it, it was so odd because he drifted out in front of War of Will. War of Will should have stumbled. There's, a, I mean, but Tyler yeah. Gaffer, he was aboard War of Will again, and uh, it was so it was so odd that the horse did not miss a stride. It looked like to me, and incredible uh, athleticism on the horse's part and and Tyler Gaffer Oh, it, it could have been the, the Derby disaster. That question. Had he fallen because he had, you know, 15 horses behind him. But then <coughs> going even further back than that, that prior winter, you and I were there when they had the double DQ. It was like a night or two nights before closing day. And uh, I think it was a Rusty Arnold horse. between. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And that horse, I mean, this, this infraction happened right at the wire. And there was absolutely no way in the world – Rusty was going to win that race. That was a bad call, in my that, opinion, as I remember. That is, the, that is the absolutely the worst call I've ever seen in my lifetime to take yeah. both runners down. That was, uh, and then it, it, it so happens that uh, it caused, I believe, a double carryover in the pick six. That's what makes it look. Yeah, I remember that's what made it look a little bizarre, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't care for that. I think the worst one I saw recently was Indiana Grand, oh. and I don't watch much Indiana Grand, but yeah. Farron was running. Farron got taken down, and she did absolutely nothing wrong. It was a, a turf maiden for Byron Hughes. And, man, you go back and watch that one. That was criminal. And our buddy Declan Cannon got placed up. But, man, I, to this day, I can't believe they took that horse down. But, uh, I don't know, would you, would you consider being a steward a tough job? 
Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't you can't win, you know. I mean, we're the the three of us could watch a race and we could all see it different ways. So. Right. And you know, the, the thing is, when and you see people on again, I could go on and on about Twitter, but people bitch, and, and I'm okay if you bitch, but man, you got to take your bias of who you bet or who you want to win out of it. People cannot do that. They think they can, they can't. Uh, so and when, when you're on Twitter railing about it, a lot of it depends on what you, what horse you want. You can't look at it in a, that's, that's kind of a gift to be able to look at things in a truly objective fashion. And that's, you know, that's what Stewart has to do. Uh, I'm not pretending they're right all the time. I don't know, but, uh, you know, you know in full disclosure, the, the incident on Sunday that the non DQ cost me to pick for. So there, there, there's that the race on but, Friday, it, it did not affect me the way I had both horses. I had the, the winner a little bit less. Yeah, that horses, what twenty to one, twenty five to yeah. one, something like that. So, I, I don't know how the stewards really evaluate because they got to be quick if they're going to throw the inquiry sign because the horses are already galloping back. I don't know if there's three stewards in there or two, three, and, if, and one's watching live, and then two should be watching different camera angles. I would think, right? You may know better than I do, Cece. I, 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 no I, I don't know. I, 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 would Fort, should Forte have come down? I, I didn't believe Forte should have come down either. I believe maybe you suspend a rad because a rad likes to he likes to dance right. the line, doesn't he? Yeah. Right. But, but I think I, the, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't necessarily want to DQ three or four races a day over stuff like this. But like either either you've got to to send a message to the jockeys, you've got to take some type of action to yeah, cure because this. Because we, it, we don't want anybody getting hurt. Yeah, there's there's way too much inconsistency in, in these things. I mean, if if you're gonna, you got to send the message, is like, and let them know if you if you drift out five paths, or it wasn't even five paths, it was probably two paths, like like Joel did on that on that allowance race. Then yes, we're going to DQ you. Let's get that message out there so we can know. Let's just not find out, you know, after it happens. I I just that's that's all I want in this kind of situation. I think there should be more than three stewards. I think there should be like in Japan they have like twenty five stewards. Holy shit, really? Yes. Oh, I watched uh, Japan Cup about, it's been 10 or 15 years ago. It was up at 3 in the morning, and they had a DQ. It took almost 30 minutes to decide. Between Oh, my God. It was over 20 stewards is what they had, and they all have a vote. And uh, But, you know, I mean, if it's like, I think it should be, if they can't decide in 10 minutes, then, then leave, the, leave it as is. But I don't know. You, that's, that's how I feel. I tell you what, all this stuff about DQ is making me want a blizzard. Right? <laughs> they rock. DQ Blizzards okay. kick ass. All right, it's time to go. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It you is, what, right? You know what jump the shark means? Yes, I do. I really do. I jumped the shark about 32 years ago. Which uh, which evening sitcom does that refer to? That refers to Happy Days back in the 70s when uh, Fonzie uh, decided to jump sharks in the uh, in the ocean. He actually jumped sharks. In a leather jacket. In a leather jacket and swim trunks. And now Jump the Shark refers to... When a TV show has uh, went over the top, as we say in horse racing and stuff. That, you know, whenever they decide to put a little kid on there out of nowhere, like Mary with Children did with this little bastard that showed up out of nowhere. Or <laughs> uh, I think the Brady Bunch did that. You, know, you can just... When, like A show like Friends, which never jumped the shark, or Cheers, never jumped the shark. Other shows do intent do indeed jump the shark. Can you think of any off the top of your head? I think this podcast would jump the shark. Oh, this podcast jumped the shark. We went on air. So, 
right. What, so, one, one other piece of news that's kind of out of left field, but if you were uh, uh, out buying mares uh, in the right November sale at Keeneland. Yes. Hip number 335 is Dream a Little Dream of You, and she's in fold to Maxfield. Really? Yeah. She made it with Maxfield, so who knows? Uh, maybe, I don't know when that occurred. Well, it says last service, February 16th of 2022, so I guess that baby's going to drop around March. Wow. Do you get to, do you get to name it? <laughs> yeah. Eleanor. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Does Maxfield need a Wi-Fi extender? Yeah, probably. What, what's Maxfield's uh, uh, stud fee? I don't know. 25? 25, I think. Remember, Maxfield won on debut at Churchill going six furlongs. I know because I bet her that day. It was, it was so, and, and then she won at two turns at Keeneland. So there's going to be a lot of people thinking that horse can't win first time out at a short distance. But uh, that horse can. It, whatever, in a few years, remember remember that three years from now when his baby runs. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much his stud fee is. Forty thousand. I'm looking for forty thousand. Yeah. All right. That's a little above. Oh, that's a lot. Dream got her a sugar daddy. All right. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. That'd be fun to watch. Cool. All right. All right. Knock it off. On behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, I'm C.C. Broadus, reminding you the gambling money, as I've learned the hard way the last few months, ain't got no home.